You are listening to The Low How from Bullpink, where we share our know-how about low-income markets. Bullpink works with entrepreneurs and companies to make the best products and services available where they matter the most. We are all about using the power of entrepreneurship to fulfill aspirations and meet the needs of people at the base of the economic pyramid. Come along with us as we seek out the right innovations, right for low-income markets. Good morning, Patrick. George, good to see you. Good to see you too. So I am Patrick Geyer, the Impact Measurement and Insights Lead for Bob Inc. And I'm speaking with... George Karaoke Njeru, a Senior BOP Marketing Specialist and also... Uh, inclusive agribusiness advisor. We're going to break down what that means here in a minute. But George, what are we talking about today in this episode? Uh, today we're talking about inflation, especially food price inflation, and about three ideas on how uh, our organization, Bopink, could uh, help uh, the low-income consumers to cope with this problem. All right, great. And I'm especially pleased to be speaking with you about this, George, because of your role in Two Scale, which is basically the biggest project that Bob Inc. has a role in. So could you start by telling us a little bit more about Two Scale? All right. So Two Scale is an inclusive um, agribusiness incubator and accelerator. I'm going to stop you right there. So inclusive agribusiness. Yes. Can you explain what inclusive agribusiness is? Well, just from the word inclusive, it means bringing everyone on board, the women, the youth, the low-income consumers, considering every actor along, say, a value chain of, for example, any kind of food or production, say, livestock or poultry, including everyone along the value chain. So putting them and considering their input in the value chain and in the processing. That's what we mean by inclusive. Okay, thanks for thanks for unpacking that. I'm sorry to cut you off. So please no tell problem. us a little more about two scale. Uh, so two scale first, um, two scale is spelled as two, the numeral, and then scale. So two scale stands for towards sustainable clusters in agribusiness through learning and entrepreneurship. So the learning and entrepreneurship bit is what we do most. Uh, we help the actors, mostly the smallholder farmers, to learn how to do their production better. So we help them to improve their capacity of production and ways of doing uh, their business better. So, and entrepreneurship, that's now linking them to the markets for their produce. Okay, great. And, and where is Two Scale active? Two Scale is active in 10 African countries. Okay. So, George, thanks again. It's, it's really great to be speaking with you today on the Low How. And so we are today recording in Nairobi, Kenya. And I want to start with, uh, I really get into the topic of inflation. So what, what is inflation like here in Kenya right now? Well, if you look at the statistics, 2020, you know, with the advent of uh, the coronavirus pandemic, we were at about, I think, 56 and then 2021, we rose to around 6%. Right now, we are at 9.6%, according to the latest uh, statistics from the Central Bank of Kenya. Wow. So that means, for example, that if a one kilogram bag of maize flour cost about 90 shillings a year ago, 
that today it would be about 99, almost 100 shillings. Sure, yeah. Okay. So what about wages? Have wages for the typical Kenyan worker gone up at the same pace? Unfortunately not. Together with my colleague Godfrey Katiambo, Impact Officer at Bob Inc., we visited Nairobi's Kangemi Market to talk to vendors and shoppers about how food price inflation is affecting them and how they're coping with it. We are right at the heart of Kangemi uh, food market uh, at, on the west side of Nairobi. This is uh, basically a fresh produce market, uh, f uh, fresh from the, the, the farm. Most of the stuff, as you can see, the vegetables, the potatoes, the onions. So this, is, this market is mainly for the fresh, uh, groceries, fresh produce. But we also have grains. If you, when you, as we get deeper in the market, there are grains and all other kind of stuff that people just buy on a daily or regular basis. So this okay. How much is a basket of potatoes like this? Like 600, 600. So half a year ago, how much was it? It was 400. 400, and now it's 600? Now it's 600. Last four years ago, it was 300. Thank you very much. So you're shopping for onions today? Yeah. And are onions more expensive than they used to be? They are more expensive. Yeah, life is too hard. You buy less. You cannot buy much, too much, yeah. Thank you. Mahalago ziko beya juu sana. Hadi ata mtu anashindo vile ataziusa sababu beya iko juu zaidi. She says, yes, she sells beans, and uh, the price of beans has gone up, and uh, she's struggling actually to sell beans. Mm. Yeah. So as the prices go up, are people buying less? Mm. So she, she says she's uh, buying less. The prices even of when for, from her sources are, are, are very high. So she's getting very little profit now. Yeah. Thank you very much. We are shopping for oranges, and the oranges we used to buy like for five or two for ten shillings. We are buying five oranges at twenty shillings, thirty shillings. It has really affected us because our salary have not increased. Our we don't get any support from the government. So the common wananchi we are very much affected. And do you find you buy different things also, or are you just buying less? We just buy one. There's no variety. Mm, so less, less variety in your diet now? You don't, yeah, we, we can't afford. Mm, thank you. Welcome. So, George, I'm struck by just how difficult a moment this is for a lot of the people that we spoke to. And what they told us echoes what we've learned in a small-scale consumer insights study that we recently did with low-income consumers in Kenya. What were those results like? Well, about 85% of our respondents told us that they were very concerned about the rising price of food. And about half of our respondents told us that they were coping um, by purchasing, for example, lower quality foods or trying to find alternatives for the kinds of foods they usually buy. That's true. Um, even in addition, 
people are reducing the number of meals that they're taking in a day. So if you're to, doing three meals, you reduce to one or two just to cope with the situation. Wow. Yeah. And I'm curious, you have a perspective on the business side of this too. What about uh, some of the businesses that you engage with in two scale? How are businesses coping with higher food cost inflation? I think that's what we'd call shrinkflation. Shrinkflation. Okay. Yeah. So either way, uh, the consumer is pressed, their needs are still there, but their business uh, is pushing the higher costs, the increased cost to the consumer. So the consumer is paying more, but generally getting less. Right. So shrinkflation meaning that the literally the size yeah. of the, the serving or the package is getting a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller. Maybe you can't quite see it at first, but it does make a difference. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and so from your perspective, George, what makes high inflation so dangerous for low income or base of the pyramid consumers? Well, uh, there are a few things about that. One is that the low income consumer households spend a higher share of their income on food. Mm -hmm. So that means they are most directly exposed to rising food prices and they cannot run away from it. Yeah. Uh, second, the low income consumers generally don't have many reserves of savings. Mm -hmm. Remember post pandemic, all the money has been used. Some of them lost their jobs or their small businesses uh, sunk with the pandemic. So the higher food prices have hit them so badly right now. And then on third, we cannot forget that we are just coming out of the COVID pandemic. We are not out of the blues yet. Yeah. And just last week, uh, the Ministry of Health in Kenya announced that we have the seventh wave. So that means we are back to a higher lot about the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. So this post-COVID and loss of jobs and sources of income has created an incredible hardship for most of these household families. So George, we were talking earlier about what we as Pop Inc. do and, and how we can use our projects to try to be uh, a helpful force uh, through our work with companies. Yep. So through our projects, through our work with companies, uh, what we're trying to do fundamentally is to bring the best products to market where they matter the most. So with that angle in mind, what are some of the things that we can do to help as Bop Inc. to help low-income consumers cope with rising food prices? From my position, I see at least around three things. So the first is to help companies. The companies like the companies we work with, most of them are uh, agribusiness SMEs. So some are aggregating food produce, others are processors that take the food uh, to the uh, final consumer. Mm -hmm. So we can help them to reduce their production costs by making better use of the capacities that they already have. Mm -hmm. yep. So that sounds really interesting. Now, what about the next one? The second one, I think, would be controlling the costs of inputs through practical stuff like composting or growing inputs, some of the inputs by themselves, things like maize. For example, if it's a processor that is dealing with coming up with a maize meal, instead of buying all the maize from other farmers, you could consider your own uh, farm and planting some of that maize to reduce the amount you're spending on buying from other uh, producers. Okay, okay. We'll hear more about that in a minute too. And then what about number three? Number three, um, substituting inputs. For example, um, most of the wheat is imported in Kenya. So we could consider importing wheat with lower costs and uh, including more nutritious African crops like 
Sogam, Fonio, Cassava and the like. You are listening to the Lohau from Boping. So, George, please tell us a little bit more about idea number one. So that was uh, helping companies reduce their production costs by making better use of the capacities they already have. Okay. So here we are talking mostly about the processors. So the processors could grow the existing talent, especially in production. Can I give you a practical example? Please. So one of the uh, partners that we have for the two-scale project is um, an organization that is using African indigenous vegetables to come up with nutritious food. Uh, in this case, it's a porridge flour that is nutritious. It has fruits, it has uh, uh, staple crops like cassava and sorghum. So what happens is the market price of getting a good talent for production is quite expensive because you're looking at a graduate who maybe has a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition or Food Production. Mm -hmm. But seeing that the leaders or the directors of this SME have already trained themselves or or also gathered knowledge from uh, consultants, they already know how to do the production. So some of the casual workers that they use at the factory to come up to mill you know, to dry, they use solar drying. So to solar dry, sort the pumpkins and the cassava and then mill them, these people can be trained a little bit on what needs to be done by an expert so that the organization does not have to hire an expert to be an internal resource. But this person who is at the low level of production can be trained and become better. So the organization will save so much money Mm -hmm. by using this talent growing the talent within other than hiring and more expensive talent. So that, that way they'll save some money for themselves. Okay, great. Now let's go to idea number two about the controlling input costs. So for this one, let's actually go to our colleague, uh, Biljana Dabo in West Africa, who can tell us more about an example from Ivory Coast. We spoke to our colleague, Biljana Dabo, a marketing specialist within the two-scale program. Recently, Biljana has been working with poultry producers in Ivory Coast who are struggling with surging costs of maize, which is an important source of feed for their chickens. I asked Biljana what two-scale is doing to help poultry producers cope with rising maize prices so that their products can remain affordable for low-income consumers. So the first one was to make sure that the farmers can have access to maize but affordable maize. So we had like several collaborations with input dealers, such as Bayer and Caliwa, to make sure that the farmers can have access to, I would say, seeds with a better yield. So they can have like a return of in, an investment when they are producing. And then uh, the second one was to make sure that in this farmer's organization, they can have like some lens to make sure that they can have their own measures they can produce. So they are not depending on other farmers and on the market price because, you know, when there are not enough production, so the price tends to increase. And the third one is what we call compost. So as a fertilizer uh, was very rare in the market and very expensive, like price double. So we did this partnership with this uh, SME 
to make sure they can teach uh, these farmers how to do compost and to use like this uh, huge machine that try to convert uh, the I would say like the the waste from the poultry activities into uh, fertilizer in one month. So the main goal was to use this new fertilizer to grow maidor for the this farmer in organization. So all these activities have several objectives. One is to reduce the input price and to make sure that the chicken at the end remain quite affordable for low-income consumers, but also for all the population, I will say. And second, to make sure that uh, the farmers can have like a profitable activity. And George, what about the last of the three three potential solutions that you mentioned? Yeah, so the last one I mentioned about um, maybe a cheaper wheat flour import. So we use a lot of wheat and maize flour in our cuisine. So if you look at the, especially the East African contexts, a lot of chapati, ugali, that's, those are the main meals. Uh, but we have other crops, indigenous crops like cassava, we have sorghum, we have teff in Ethiopia, we have cowpeas, and we can grow that well across the, the continent. Mm-hmm. So these uh, foods can be used as part of the normal meals. So for example, instead of, uh, and we had that in one of our two-scale partnerships, instead of using only maize to make uh, the, the, wheat, the maize flour for ugali, we had a combination of maize and cassava flour. So that one was reducing the costs of buying maize, which is more expensive than cassava. Mm-hmm. And the final meal was still nutritious because it was 50% cassava and 50% maize. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't it true also that many of those crops that you mentioned, the African crops, are actually a little more resilient to climate change? Yes, they are. For example, cassava does not need so much rain like its counterpart maize, even sorghum. Sorghum, for example, we have one of our partnerships that uh, aggregates sorghum in the Tarakanithi county of Kenya. Mm-hmm. The farmers say that we only need rain for about two weeks and we are, we are done. We are wow. going to have a bumper harvest. So like, for example, the rains that just started about two weeks ago, we are expecting a bumper harvest come around January or February yeah, of sorghum. And and what about on taste? Uh, do these do these things taste as good as some of these alternatives? Well, yeah, they do. They taste good. Uh, depends on how you cook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure in your hands they would turn out great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let me get this straight. So it sounds like there are uh, indigenous and ingredients that food pr- producers could use that are that cost less, that are really local to some of the African climates. Um, they're nutritious, they taste good, and we could support local producers at the same time. Is that all true? Yeah, that's true. Wow. So that sounds like a great option for helping low-income consumers cope with higher food price. George, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, talking with you today about what we can do about food price inflation as Bob Pink. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. It was really great to talk about what we are doing at Bob Pink. And uh, to scale, which is uh, one of the largest projects for incubation and acceleration, we are looking at having 
not just affordable foods but nutritious and safe for consumers to eat a great mission yeah absolutely so george thank you again and we also want to be sure to thank bijana dabo godfrey katiambo and the nairobi residents who kindly took time to speak to us uh for their contributions to this episode we'll talk to you next time thanks for joining us for this episode of the low how if you like what you heard, leave us a comment and give us a review wherever you get your podcast. The Low How is brought to you by Bopping. Learn more about us by visiting bopping.org. And be sure to check out extra info and links about what you heard today in the episode notes. Thanks for listening.